Clicker girl clicks the clicker. Here we go. Worthy of wisdom. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the many rich gifts in our life because we know all good things come from Thee. We ask that You be with us this evening. Help us to have an open heart when we're listening to the message. Help us to take it with us throughout our daily life, prove it for ourselves, and to live by it. Please be with the ones that are bringing the lessons this evening. May it be presented in a way well-pleasing unto Thee and understandable by those trying to hear. We ask that you be with those that are our number that are sick, the ones that have lost loved ones. Please strengthen them so that we can see them again really soon. We pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. We'll set our minds on the sacrifice that was made for us as we sing 324. We'll sing the first and the fourth verse. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a one as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day but drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Till 
the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Hello, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today and all that you've given to us. We take this time as it is shown in your word to remember your son and the sacrifice that he gave and the body that once walked around and performed miracles was broken on a cross for us. We ask that you help us to do this in a way that is acceptable to you. And in your son's name we pray this, amen. Let's pray again. Our Father in heaven, we are still here before you. Uh, now we are taking a moment to remember the blood that was shed for us, the blood that cleanses us once we become a Christian. Um, we thank you so much for this miraculous gift, one that we could never repay, one that we don't deserve, one that we certainly don't earn. And thank you very, very much. And in your son's name we pray this. Amen. Okay, so um, now's the time where we're going to make a, a prayer for the offering. There are boxes in the back. <clears throat> Let's bow. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today, once again, and everything that you've given to us. We know that all that we have comes from you, and we are, we are definitely, we have more than most, for sure, and we are so very grateful for it. And we ask that you help us to give in a way where we are doing it cheerfully because we want to do it, because we understand that is what you want. And we ask that you give the people that are using this money wisdom. 
And we thank you for your son. In his name we pray this. Amen. Looking forward to Brother O'Neill's message on the mighty widow. Let us stand as we sing 643, Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the morning, bright and fair? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heat of the noonday's glare? For the harvest time is coming on, and the reaper's work will soon be done. Will your sheaves be many? Will you garner any for the gathering at the harvest home? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, all along the Sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, you must reap at the last great day. For the harvest time is coming on, and the reaper's work will soon be done. Will your sheaves be many? Will you garner any for the gathering at the harvest home? All right, there. The front row is a little further back. <laughs> All right, so you guys probably know what the, the lesson is tonight, but, but then again, you may not, so we'll see. Um, but I'm going to read to you a little story first. I wish this stool was taller. But, uh, all right. A cheerful girl with bouncy golden curls was almost five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw, the, she saw them, a circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, Mommy, can I have them? Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little foil box and then looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. A dollar ninety-five. That's almost two dollars. If you really want, obviously, this story's a little bit old, right? Uh, even for little kids, uh, little pearl necklaces. Uh, if you really want them, I'll think of some extra chores for you, and in no time you can earn enough money to buy them for yourself. Your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another crisp dollar bill from Grandma. As soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her pig penny bank and counted out 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores, and she went to the neighbor and asked if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, Grandma did give her another new dollar bill, and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. 
She wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath. Mother said if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. Jenny had a very loving dad, and every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs to read her a story. One night when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, Do you love me? Oh yes, Daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls, but you can have Princess, the white horse from my collection, the one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy? The one you gave me. She's my favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after the story time, Jenny's dad asked again, Do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give, me, then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls, but you can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She is so beautiful, and you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when Daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed Indian style. As he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but then lifted her, up, lifted her hand up to her daddy and when she opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, here, daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny, gosh, silly little story. <laughs> Jenny, kind, Jenny's kind daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace. And with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of beautiful, genuine pearls. He had had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her the genuine treasure. Perhaps sometimes in life there's a greater treasure than what we kind of desire to cling to, isn't there? And sometimes I think our Heavenly Father might be willing to give to us or even allow us to develop something that's beyond where we're at today. If, if we can just kind of change some of those deeply held attitudes that we tend to suppress sometimes. In Ephesians 4.28, it teaches us there the motivation for working, and this is a quote from the verse, should be to share with someone who has need. Now that's a pretty radical thought for us kind of prosperity-seeking Americans, isn't it? To share with someone who has need. Because we're typically, are we not concerned about, can not somebody in here tonight not say, I'm concerned about my home, my house, my cars, our nice clothes, our jewelry, perfumes, appliances, boats, iPhones, game systems, medical bills, 
you can go on. Our kids' college is our cost for schools. I mean, you can go on and on and on, right? I mean, iPhones is one that always just blows me away. I mean, it wasn't too many years those weren't around, and now they're just, you have to have them. You can't even imagine not having them. They're like a necessity. But we're prosperity seekers in our country. And sometimes I think that can get in the way of our giving and our sharing. And tonight, what I want to talk a little bit about is giving. Giving is a core Christian value, period, as we have it in the Bible. Um, I'm not going to ask you to give more. That's between you and God. The elders, they didn't ask me to do this sermon about giving. It's, and incidentally, I don't know if a lot of you all know, uh, Doug, this may be new to you, but the February 1 to January 31 is this church's fiscal year. So it's just a, an oddity in timing that I'm doing this tonight. Uh, I don't know what anyone gives, uh, nor do I want to. But I want to look at giving from a vantage point of, develop, of a developmental perspective, how it contributes to us to becoming more like Jesus. Last time when I was up here a couple weeks ago, we talked about giving as part as an element of our worship, right? Uh, we've always taught that in our churches, and I believe it is. Uh, but do we really kind of uh, talk about it that way? Now, Jesus honored a, a poor widow in kind of a very muted fashion. He didn't get up and announce what she had done. He kind of privately kind of brought his disciples over and talked to him about what happened. Uh, we don't even know if he talked to her, right? But, but first, I want you to see the context of, of how that particular story is set up. Uh, in, in verse 38 in Mark 12, it starts, and, his teaching, and in his teaching he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like personal greetings in the marketplaces and seats of honor in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers, these will receive all the more condemnation. So what I want to just draw your attention here to here is that Jesus is strongly condemning the actions of some of the religious leaders of the day, the scribes, for devouring widows' houses. In other words, these scribes, some of these scribes are siphoning off their money for personal gain, somehow, some way, or they're mismanaging their money. We really don't know exactly what's happening. But whatever the case is, they've basically left the widows in financial ruin and because um, they're very, very vulnerable in this particular culture. So it's no coincidence, guess what? The story that follows these very verses is about a poor widow. It's kind of like, by the way, here's an example of a poor widow, of what these scribes have done, done to this woman. All right. So verse 41 starts out, and Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. The treasury in the temple is in what they call the court of, uh, of women. And uh, so that's where they're at. That's what the treasury is. And he began watching how the people were putting money into the treasury and how many rich people were putting in large amounts. And a poor widow came and put in two lepta coins, and some of y'all's version might have might, uh, 
the uh, mites that this is actually that's where we get the story from the widow's mite uh, which amount to a quadrants calling his disciples to him he said to them truly I say to you this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury for they all put in out of their surplus but she out of her poverty put in all she owned and all she had to live on now in this story, Jesus leaves no doubt that this woman was destitute, does he? Twice he used the adjective with widow that she's poor. Uh, her offering was out of poverty. Her offering was all she owned. Her offering was her entire livelihood. And a lepta's coin is basically the smallest coin in circulation at the time. So it would be like us taking two pennies, if you will, today and putting in a collection plate or in a box back in the back. And her clothing incidentally probably gave her away too that she was an impoverished widow. Uh, that wouldn't be unusual for this culture. Now, note what Jesus does. He comes in and he's watching how the rich and this widow, how people are putting their alms into the treasury. Now, there actually, in the treasury, there were 13 fluted chests. And so, when the rich come in and put their alms in, when we're talking a lot of coins, we're talking a lot of clang, 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 as that stuff goes down in there. And we're talking when the widow comes up and put these two little leptas in there, or you can barely hear a tinkling. Some believe, too, that the priests would have would have been who are there, you know, would have actually also brought a big show, if you will, to what's going on with these uh, rich donors. Um, now, to Jesus, though, even though that there's this tiny tinkling, basically to him, it kind of trumpeted something extraordinary. And for him, it then became a teaching opportunity, is what we see. Now, what I want you to think about a minute is also is that he does not, I don't want you to be condemning the rich people here. Because he doesn't do it, does he? He's not condemning that they're giving out of their surplus. He is, though, honoring the widow for giving sacrificially. Okay? So just be a little cautious of doing that. Now, so thinking about a teaching opportunity... Years ago, I remember I was in the garage, cleaning the garage out, and I know everyone does loves doing those uh, annual kind of garage cleaning things, or maybe for some people it's every five years or every decade. And uh, I remember over in the corner in our garage, kind of a darker corner, we had this, this, these black pots from the nurseries where we had planted plants through the years. They were all stacked up on top of each other, you know. And I was going to get them and throw them away because they had been there for a number of years and no one, we weren't using them and we weren't going to use them. So I go over there to get those black pots and I went to reach down in the top of the one and all of a sudden something orange caught my eye. And I kind of pulled my hand back and all of a sudden I saw this orange hourglass. And I basically, if you will, I was just seconds or within inches of taking a trip to the emergency room because there was a black widow spider down in that pot. Uh, now what I did um, was I went and, as I remember, me and Carol talked about this, I can't remember exactly, but I, th I think I went and got her. 
showed her that black widow in the pot and then God killed it and threw those pots out. Um, the reason I mention that is because that's very vivid still in my mind and hopefully Carol's too. And that's kind of a, a teaching opportunity when you can see something and see what's going on. And that's kind of basically what Jesus did. He had the, an opportunity. So when he basically, with his apostles, uh, it's, he, when he brings them over, he says, this widow, okay, so this widow is still there. This is still going on there. He, they're, they're, they see this vividly. Um, I'm sure possibly some of them saw what took transpired. Uh, they were probably watching themselves and he drew them closer. Uh, we don't really know, but this something immediately happened and there's a teaching opportunity here. Um, now, so basically, this widow, she was a role model uh, for giving, right? The rich gave out of their surplus. She gave out of her deficiency. Her giving was sacrificial. Um, for some of the rich, this was like, likely really a pompous show. Um, very, very likely. For the widow, it was a humble act of faith. She gave all she had. She put her trust in God in her offering that God was going to take care of her. Um, she trusted Him. Now, what's the purpose of this teaching? Um, now, I've got to read a little bit into this to, to tell you what I believe it is. Jesus isn't going to be with them too much longer. Incidentally, this is a time of the, the Passover is about to happen. So there's probably a lot of almsgivers in Jerusalem. So a lot's going on at the treasury. And that's one of the reasons Jesus probably came and, and sat down there and watched how they were putting in their alms into these treasure chests. Um, but the disciples, as they get into their ministry, their finances are likely to be really strained, aren't they? They're not going to have a lot of money. Um, and so I think one of the things Jesus is doing is God is basically communi communicating to them that God would still value their gifts even if they're small. And it's not about amount, but proportion. Sacrificial gifts from devout, willing hearts will always be pleasing to God, will they not? They're always going to be pleasing to God. And I'm sure this also was for the disciples, for their future teaching opportunities, for them to continue on this teaching. And obviously, uh, God wanted this story perpetuated through time to where we have it today and can learn from it as well. One of the things about giving that's always kind of bothered me, I don't know how many times through the years, and some of you all may believe this, and I, I really don't care, it's fine that you do, but, as, uh, but I've heard the Jews used to give 10%, and we ought to at least give that much, right? Well, if you have a billion dollars and you don't make anything that particular year, how much do you give? Zero? Well, you still got a pretty big old surplus out there in a billion dollars, don't you? Now, let's say you make a uh, hundred million and you got a billion and you make a hundred million that year. So you give a little more than 10%, or you give 10%, let's just say 10%, so you give 10 million. 
you still have a pretty big old surplus, aren't you? Um, so my point is, is how we look at this, I think we're looking at it through the lens incorrectly when we look at giving that way. So I'm going to take just a quick aside and then we'll get back to that thought. I don't like the way I'm kind of disrupted my sermon, the way I'm doing a couple things. But what I wanted to show you too is we look at, you kind of ask the question, was what was Jesus' attitude toward the widow? Because you might get the impression that did he just use this event in a very cold way as a, a teaching opportunity? That he really didn't care about the widow. Uh, he just used this to have, have an opportunity to teach. Um, and obviously, I don't think that's the case. One of the things from Hebrews 1.3, we know that Jesus is an exact representation of God's nature, right? John 17.21, we know their existence is intertwined. In John 14.10, we know that God abides in Jesus and works through him. Uh, in Luke 22.42 and John 4.34, we see that Jesus' will, that in his own will, that he submits to his Father's will. And we can see in many places in the Bible, in the, in, uh, the Psalms and Zechariah and other places, we know that God has a great concern for widows. Therefore, so would Jesus, right, with all these other things. And we know he just voiced concern about widows, about them having their homes devoured by the scribes. And this is probably an example of one. So I think Jesus' concern for the widow is inherent in his description of her utter poverty. I just don't know how Jesus, when you think of how compassionate he is, and you can't study Jesus in the Bible and not come to the conclusion that Jesus was extraordinarily compassionate. And I don't know how you could coldly say that that, that was all she had to live on, what she gave. I don't know how you could, he could coldly do that. So yeah, I think Jesus had great concern for her. So there's just a little aside. Um, now, this is what I think we ought to use in how we kind of think about giving. Each one must do just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Some versions would say rather than decided in his heart, it'd be purposed in your heart. Um, it's a heart thing. Obviously, your intellect's involved, but it's a heart thing. And you're cheerful about it. You're a cheerful giver. Um, the reason it's a heart thing is because in this particular case, he is talking about taking a collection from various churches to Jerusalem. And it's there to help them. They're very persecuted and they're poverty stricken over in the Jerusalem church. And they're going to go over and, and help them out. And so the purpose and in the heart is that you care about them. You care about them from the heart. And so you're giving from the heart. Now what I want to do real quick is when you look at what leads up to that verse... He starts talking in 2 Corinthians 8 and in the first part of 9, right before that, uh, 
about the benefit of giving. And, um, and so I'm going to read for you some of the verses there, and then we'll just make a few little observations. But um, as he first starts out in 2 Corinthians 8, um, Paul is actually holding up the Macedonians and what they gave before he then goes and talks about Corinth and says, you guys you know, kind of really wanted to do this. You really wanted to get involved with this, uh, this collection. So now it's time. It's time to, to get this going and get this together. And he's kind of reminding of it. And he kind of talks about in that about how some of these, how basically giving is a wonderful, wonderful work and what it should do inside you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'm going to read 1 through about 16 or 15. Incidentally, he's getting ready to, he's, he's going to send Titus to him. And Titus is actually going to go and kind of help get this, this collection going uh, before the actual people come there to actually uh, you know, pick it up and then take it off to Jerusalem. Okay, 8 verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. So he's talking to the Corinthian church. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also, so that just as there was a readiness to desire it, so may be also completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by the way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. And I'm going to jump to the beginning of, of um, chapter 9, because he then kind of goes talking about <clears throat> Titus coming. But starting in verse 1 and 9, for it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. <clears throat> and again, this is about the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia, and of course Corinth is in Achaia, has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. 
But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting may, about you may not be made empty in, in this case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this, com by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would be on, go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reach bountifully. And again, it culminates in that verse 7, which we read a minute ago. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So one of the things out through all we just read there that I wanted to point out was when he talked to the masses about the Macedonians in 8.2, he talked about how the giving produced joy. Produced joy. We're to be cheerful givers, right? I mean, I really do hope. I mean, you, one of the problems we, I think we have, especially with how we're doing things, is, you know, we'll say a prayer. Afterwards, we'll go out and pop a check in that little box. But you really need to reflect on what some of this money's going to at times. I mean, we're, we've got missionaries that are baptizing people on the other side of the world. They're bringing Christ to them for an eternity for what, what they're doing. We have Matt, right now we're paying him through what you give. He's up there with a bunch of teens up in the cold in a cabin up there in, in the camp up in outside Eustace. Um, you know, I could go on and on we're, with the benevolence thing that we're doing here at our church, um, with the funds that we have to be in on this comfortable building. Um, when we have fellowships back here, sometimes you're paying for some of that meal back there, to be honest about it. And what you're eating on with the forks and the plates and stuff, you're providing for that. I hope you can think about this sometimes and what a lot of this means. I hope it does bring joy. I hope it is cheerful. Because I'm telling you, that meant a lot. What took place back there, even with what was spent by the church, to that family. And then Charlie will get up here, and William will get up here, and the elders will get up here, and they'll read these letters and how touched they are by what transpires in those fellowship meals uh, on these days of memorial. So, so when I talk about giving being developmental, I really do mean it. I hope it helps you be more joyful uh, and reflect on what you're given. He talks about it being a work of grace. And when you think about grace, basically, grace is kind of the ability to see others in need and you act accordingly. And there's kind of in a helpless state and you're able to mercifully help. And that's how God saw us and grace and how he extended it to us and doing for us through Jesus what we couldn't do for ourselves. Um, the other one is a work of love. He talks about it being the sincerity of your love. It's a work of love. And it results in agape. 
And I hope you understand about agape. I mean, again, we talked about us being a pro prosperity seekers in our country, which is kind of about us, right? We're looking inward uh, with our money and we can be covetous about our money. Um, we hope this results in agape, that is kind of a sacrificial love, that you're looking at other people's interests before your own. Um, and that's kind of what Paul's trying to get across to him. Let this be an agape thing with you. And they were able, the Macedonians, they have the ability to give beyond your ability, um, which is an interesting way to kind of word that, but it's another way of saying they sacrificially gave. Um, at least that's what I believe he's saying. Um, he talks about it being a desire or of a, your own accord. Um, again, I think it's a heartfelt thing that you really have a desire to do it. You want to help. Um, it's not some, even Paul says in the writing, I'm not commanding you. He wants them to desire to do it. He wants it to be something of the heart to do it. Uh, he doesn't want to be putting their arms up their back to compel them to do it. Uh, he wants it to be, again, something from the heart. Um, he talks about basically, uses Jesus basically as a metaphor in that Jesus left heaven in a way, if you will. I think he's basically talking to us like Philippians 2, 5 through 10, where Jesus was rich in heaven, rich in glory and what he had. And he came to earth as a bondservant, right? And poor, and what he was able, what he did for us, and he makes us rich. And he's kind of basically saying, we need to be like that, to have that attitude. Again, putting other people's interests before our own. Um, and basically replace covetousness with generosity. Um, it's hard in our culture to be to, be, uh, to not be covetous sometimes because we see around us all the time all the things have people have. Um, and sometimes we kind of want those things too. But God wants us to be generous, not covetous. Uh, and he gives the principle that we're going to reap how you sow. And yeah, that could be physically. I mean, it could be monetarily. And I think he goes on and says that later on, actually, in the chapter. But I also think he's talking about spiritually here as well, that we're going to reap spiritually what we sow. Um, if, if you don't give from the heart, it's just kind of going to be meaningless to you spiritually. It just will. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. I came across this while, a long time ago and talked about it some with the East Orange Church of Christ. Um, there's more to giving than just putting air, getting new air conditioners so you can stay cool in the building. Uh, incidentally, you ought to have a lot of joy about that in the summer, right? But, uh, but you know what I'm saying? There's, there's more to this thing of giving. Uh, it's important that we understand that it's a developmental thing and that we should be, it should be changing us. And I think I mentioned to you last time in the, when we talked about worship that giving, that God actually... And now this talks about whether you're giving from a, uh, as a good deed or even money. Now it works a little less. You're just writing a check, if you will. But it's the same thing can happen inside you. You can actually have hormones and chemicals get released that make you feel very good about what you do. God designed you that way. 
It was a very wise thing he did because he wants you to feel good about it. He wants you to feel good about what you gave. So maybe what, how I should close this is in two, two ways. Is one, it always does amaze me that God is able to look down on us. And we can be pretty miserable people sometimes. I mean, it's just, and even as I go back through my life and just think of some of the, my little time frames and how I was, but he loved me so much and he looked at me with so much grace and then part of the benevolence part of him, he sent his son to actually go to the cross. That We have this holy God that wants us to be holy too. And for us to be holy, it took the cross. And Jesus took the cross for us. And through that, yes, he does make us rich, doesn't he? He makes us spiritually rich eternally rich uh, and we should be ever thankful for him and maybe some of you all tonight say wow what, what God's done for, through Christ that's something I want to be a part of and tonight if you want to come and, and confess him as Lord uh, change your life repent of the things you've done and, and take a new direction to following him uh, to be put on the path to becoming like him and to be baptized uh, for the remission of your sins. And he's going to give you his spirit. And that's going to facilitate us changing over time. But in the process of all that, you rise out of those waters holy. And that's why we have this relationship with the God we have. Or maybe to, tonight you're like, you know, my giving, and again, I don't, I don't care how much you give. I care how you give. And that's kind of what I think Jesus was looking at some. I care, kind of be honest, I, I care about what goes in, on inside us. And, I, and that's kind of why I'm giving this sermon. And maybe the wrong things have been going on inside you. And that you're holding money back maybe because you're coveted, because you're covet, coveting. You know, you want things that, it's just luxury, and there's so many needs and stuff uh, that the church has and the things we can do. But again, it's not the money in and of itself. It's what's going on inside you that would concern me. So, and maybe there's a joy that you've been missing. Maybe when you see how giving Jesus is that you're not like that, and on and on and on with these kinds of different things uh, that... You don't put others' interests before your own. The agape love hasn't formed right yet. And maybe our giving because of a lot of that is still lacking. So maybe you would like prayers from the church tonight. So whatever you might have, whatever needs you have, please come forward. It will stand and sing. Steve. Lord.
to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Please be seated. Thank you, Mike. It's a, it's, a, it's a topic that's it's needed to talk about, but it's hard to talk about it. The world itself will, money's a dirty thing to talk about. You turn on the TV, you'll see what people, how much they covet things, how much they will cheat you and lie to you. Uh, even there are churches who've cheated and lied to people to get more and more money so somebody could live high and mighty. Um, but it's, it's nice to see, I know Mike said it's a heart thing, to see the outcome of that, to see people come to Christ, to see, like, for instance, the memorial service for, um, for Glenda, the love that's shown and, and what it takes and what it feels for that family. And uh, it's an amazing thing. You can't always see some of the, the outcomes. You can't always see people grow. You, spiritually, you can't see benevolence. That's a hard one to do, too, to know that you help somebody out when they're in a hard place, that you helped them out a little bit. But um, a, a good, soft heart that's willing to, to help, willing to be the, the body of Christ goes a long ways. I appreciate Mike's sermon tonight. Um, try to give you a couple quick announcements from the bulletin. Grab yourself one outside, out back. On the prayer list, um, I missed one. Wanda Bauer had an ear biopsy, and she prays it's not cancer. So please pray for Wanda. Um, also, um, the New Life Bible study uh, got a hot start this morning. So a little hotter than I think we expected it to. They got a hot start. Doug Gertis is teaching that class back in room 8. The former Matt's closet room uh, is now a functional classroom. Eh, it's a classroom. So anyways, it'll continue to grow. Um, Doug Gertis is teaching that class, and it's with the Foundations of Faith book from Gospel Advocate, and uh, Fundamentals of Faith, Foundations of Faith, yeah. Anyways, it's about the church, it's about, about us getting closer to Christ, it'll be a good study. Um, anyways, that's already started, so if you'd like to join that, if you're in a, in a place to do that, or you know somebody who could benefit from that, somebody who's, they may be coming to worship, they may, uh, but maybe they need to know more, maybe they need to be baptized, maybe they need to get involved, that'd be a good class to, to join in on it. Aubrey, push the button. There we go. Food pantry, we're trying to offset costs and stuff and by having a targeted giving this month, we'd like people to bring in spaghetti. Bring in a box of spaghetti, bring in a jar of sauce. Our goal for the month of January is 200 boxes of spaghetti and 200 jars of sauce. That's enough to feed me like three meals. So. 
Just kidding. 200 boxes of spaghetti, 200 bo uh, jars of sauce. We'll hand that out in February. That's, what, that's how much spaghetti goes in the bags to hand out. So if you can, if you're out and about, pick a box of spaghetti. It's sold everywhere. It's typically cheap. Uh, a lot of times it's even on BOGO. So whatever. Bring in some spaghetti. Make sure we have plenty of spaghetti to give to, to people. Okay, next slide, Aubrey. Manatee. This is a manatee. Uh, the senior adult group is going to go to Hollover Canal on Thursday. If you meet here at 10 o'clock, you can ride a Jesus van. They're going to go up to Hollover Canal and go to the uh, Manatee viewing area. And then after that, they're going to go to lunch at Hoffman's Table. So if you can be a part of that, you're free on Thursday. That'll be a good time. I think Thursday's supposed to be warmer, isn't it? Yeah? Got to be warmer than today, right? So anyways, it'll be a good time out there to look at the manatees and check out Hoffman's Table. We've heard very good things about that place. Uh, the next slide, yeah, Florida School of Preaching has their lectureship this week. I think it starts tomorrow night. It goes through Thursday. That's online. You don't have to drive through Lakeland to hear it. You can if you want to. Uh, I got to see one night of it one time. It was pretty neat. Uh, but it's online if you want to listen to it, if you want to listen to it or watch it on video. So there you go. FSOP.net, I think is their address. John Fisher is a Florida School of Preaching student, aren't you, John? Yes, so anyways, it's good stuff, so. Huh? A lot of good speakers, a lot of good speakers. Is Chad speaking this year? No? Leading singing? Yes, Chad will lead singing one night, so that's always a good thing. All righty, next slide. Yeah, if you didn't know, Glenda Massey passed away last Saturday. Uh, her memorial service was Thursday. Uh, it was, we, we showed her a lot of love, uh, as she deserved. She was a function, uh, super part, a loving part of this congregation for a very long time. I know she taught in a classroom to help to help Nick Shivel, who had cerebral palsy. She ended up being the helper for Nancy too. Um, we talked about the cookies that she'd leave us in the fridge. We all tasted the nectar of the gods itself, the double strength <laughs> VBS Kool-Aid. And anyway, Susan, huh? Cookies in the microwave, yeah, yeah. And Susan White continues the tradition of the double strength Kool-Aid, and I am thankful for that. So, <laughs> all righty. Um, is that all I got? I got no one going. One more thing. I think that's it. All right, next slide, Aubrey. Yeah, I already did prayers. Next one. There we go. Um, the elders are putting Brent Fitzgerald's name before the congregation. We would like Brent to become an elder. Um, we believe Brent meets the qualifications of an elder. Brent has served this congregation faithfully for a very long time. He's been an elder for uh, over 18, I mean a deacon, excuse me, he's been a deacon for over 18 years. Um, anyways, if you have some kind of scriptural reason that uh, you don't believe that Brent could be, should be an elder of this congregation, let one of us know. Let William or Charlie or me know. Put it in writing, put your name on it. We'd like to talk to you about that. Uh, we don't want somebody that's unqualified to be an elder. Uh, we love Brent, and uh, we think he will do a great job. However, like I said, if, if you know something like that, come see us. Um, I will also say, if you love Brent and you think he'll do a good job, let us know that too. It's always a good thing to hear. So if you don't know, the, it's in the bulletin. Um, the qualifications are in 1 Timothy 3. There's a list of those here. I read most of these this morning. Most of you here this morning, so I won't read them again. There goes the rocket launch, the Falcon Heavy. You'll hear two sonic wounds in a little while. 
the next slide, Aubrey, and that's in Titus 1, verses 5 through 9, has more qualifications. So I encourage you to look those over. Um, talk to Brent if you want to. Talk to us. So uh, anyways, we look forward to Brent serving with us. Um, that's about it. So thank you all for being here. Uh, Wednesday night, Bible class will be the New Testament church. Matt is in Acts chapter 2, which is the first day of the church. Where bright angel feet have trod With its crystal tide forever Flowing by the throne of God Yes, we'll gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Would you pray with me, please? Holy Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of a place where we can come together. We thank you for the willingness of the Christians here in this place to serve each other in love. We ask you to guard our hearts and our minds to keep us united. As we depart from here tonight, we ask you to encourage us, to bless us in the week ahead but to always be focused on one another and on how we might help the world so that to your name's honor and glory, more people can come to you and not be lost. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.